And so it's interesting to see that even the neural mechanisms that are working behind the scenes with what exercise is doing also relates to some of the things that we see in treatments for things like depression or even anxiety. So it's all connected. And that's why I think it's really interesting to talk about exercise, talk about the brain in this aspect, because you can learn so much. This is Brain Matter Chatter, the podcast where we discuss mental health in academia with students, faculty, and the experts. Hello, everyone. Welcome or welcome back to Brain Matter Chatter, the podcast about mental health in academia. I'm your host, Haley, and today I'm here with Olivia, and we're excited to talk about exercise and mental health. So, Olivia, I'd love to hear a little bit more about your personal experience with exercise. Do you like to exercise or not? Yeah, I love that question because I don't know. I'm, I'm a mixed bag, so I'm really happy to be co-hosting this one with you because exercise is a bit of part of my research that I do as a grad student in neuroscience. And then it's also like one of my passions. So um, I, I started working out in high school because I was that one girl that was always in the guys weight training class in my grade 11 and 12 year. Um, and I'm fortunate enough to have carried all of that with me into my university career, which is where I've actually continued to train and lift as well as incorporate that into sport because I'm also an athlete here at Western. So of course, exercise is like my go-to thing. And then with the pandemic, that doesn't help because I feel like I'm missing a huge portion of my life without being able to exercise and train like I used to. But it's like, it's been a part of me since day one. How about you? Um, I, I love to run. I actually used to really hate working out when I was a kid, but when I was in middle school, we needed someone to run the 800 and the 1600 meter for the track team. And so no mm. one would do it. And I was like, okay, I guess I can do it. And since then I really fell in love with running. And I find that if I don't run, I sort of start to like slowly lose my mind. So oh, yes. um, <laughs> running, is such a, running is such a mixed bag for me. I have these bouts of where I'm able to run consistently for multiple days in a week. And then out of nowhere, I'm like, I have no motivation to do this. Running is too much thinking. I need to have all the music, anything to keep me going. But I'm impressed that you're able to keep up with the running side of things. Yeah, I really rely on music when I run. Like, I definitely need some good pump-up music. Otherwise, I'm kind of dead. But I find it really helps me, like, de-stress and actually focus on my research if I'm starting to get a little bit strung out and stuff. So not only is working out really fun and enjoyable for some people, there's actually a lot of health benefits in terms of working out. So what are the benefits of working out? I can tell you a few things, maybe obvious to some, but you got to hear it. Exercise reduces the risk of diseases like heart disease and cancer. But what's also interesting is that it actually helps regulate insulin and sugar levels. And that actually does impact brain function and mood and everyday life. And of course, it's going to help you live longer. Another big thing is exercise comes with the, obviously the look that comes with it too, but also uh, helps strengthen your bones and muscles and of course, improve sleeping. So there's a lot more you can find about the benefits of working out online, but Haley has done a really great job at um, finding some really cool studies to talk about how exercise impacts our health. Yeah, especially in terms of the mental health impact of exercise on the body. So there's actually been a lot of interest in the research community and understanding why it seems that exercise would be able to boost mood, not only in individuals who might be at risk for mental health issues like depression and anxiety, but also in clinically significant cases of depression or bipolar disorder. 
As we know, with the pandemic, that's really taken a toll on a lot of people's mental health. A study by Zhang et al. in 2020 followed a group of college students in China for about a month. They found that there was a significant relationship between the COVID-19 death count and the prevalence of negative emotions such as stress, depression, and anxiety. And this isn't surprising, but what may be surprising to some people is that weekly physical activity also helped with these negative emotions. And so individuals who exercised more were less likely to experience these negative emotions or they sort of tapered off with increasing exercise. Interesting. Yeah. Another study that was in 2020 of um, 50,000 university students found that physical exercise was negatively associated with all mental health problems and suicidality in a dose response manner. And so what this means is more exercise is better. For example, a quarter of females who never exercised had depression versus only one tenth of women who were exercising daily experienced depression. So wait, 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 wait. Let yeah. me just double check in on this. So if I'm exercising at a super high level versus the medium level, are you telling me at the highest level, I'll probably have less rates of mental health or mental illness issues than those with a little bit less exercise than the average? That is what they found. Yeah, they found that more frequency of exercise was related to less depression and anxiety. But this is, again, in a non-clinical population. These are university students, so we know they have elevated risk of depression and anxiety compared to the general population, but they weren't necessarily clinically significantly depressed or anxious during the time of the study. These researchers also found that individuals who never exercised had a 2 to 2.5 fold increased odds of having a history of self-harm or suicidal behavior. They also found that these results were not diminished by differences in sleep, alcohol intake, or body mass index. So there is a really specific benefit of exercise on mental health. There's another study from 2018 that took a group of university students who didn't typically work out, and they had them do different exercise programs over the course of approximately a month. So there was a group who did moderate continuous exercise, which would be a longer, more steady workout, like say going on an exercise bike at like 60% max ability for half an hour compared to individuals who do high intensity training where they go as hard as they can for a minute, take a break and repeat that for an equivalent amount of time. They found that the moderate continuous exercise was able to reduce anxiety, perceived stress and depressive symptoms. Moderate continuous exercise also reduced tumor necrosis factor alpha which is a pro-inflammatory cytokine that's been implicated in depressive symptoms such as social withdrawal. Interestingly, they didn't find that a high-intensity training was as effective in terms of helping mood symptoms because they found that it actually increased anxiety behaviors. So this suggests that actually a more moderate workout program might be beneficial, although it also could be due to the fact that these individuals are starting their workout journey and maybe if they had taken very conditioned athletes, they might have found something different. But it is interesting. Because I'm, I'm trying to think of the times that I'm working out, I'm like, I have to hit max intensity or else I'm not going to get the workout that I need to get in. And that in itself made me a bit anxious. Yeah. So I, I could see why keeping it continuous over a period of time might even be a bit better to just actually do sustainable exercise and something you feel proud about after you're done it, right? Yeah, I can totally agree with that as well, because when I was in high school, I was on the cross country team and I found that like the actual proper training to a degree actually decreased my enjoyment when it came to running because it was this thing that you always had to do. And if you're not better than you were last time, that kind of brings up your stress level a bit as like, why am I getting slower? I can see, I can definitely see how high intensity training could increase an individual's stress level, which could potentially have consequences for their mood. 
for sure. And it's cool because you brought up the point about pro-inflammatory cytokines. So this is really important for inflammation. We want to reduce chronic inflammation in the body because that also impacts how our brain functions. So for example, if you have high inflammation all the time, you're always stressed, you're not doing the exercise that we are clearly saying that we should be doing to reduce the amount of inflammation, we're finding that actually impacts things even beyond mood, like memory. And it's actually part of some of the things that I study and I'm interested in, which is kind of cool. Yeah, I'd love to actually hear a little bit more about your research, Olivia, because for those who don't know, Olivia is really interested in not just the effects of exercise on the brain, but also the effects of diet on the brain. So I'd love to hear about how these two factors might play a role in brain health and brain function. Yeah, and and it's cool. So what I'm interested in is maybe not on the mental health side of things, which is why I really like talking about this perspective too, because I'm learning quite a bit, but I'm looking at the implications of exercise and even other kind of enhancers of the brain, like drugs and drug therapy, to see if that could actually improve our memory. So one one reason that I speculate exercise is really, really beneficial, and it's actually been pretty robust and pretty clear in a lot of studies, is that it actually increases this process known as neurogenesis. So neurogenesis is the formation of new neurons when you're an adult. And I know many people are told, hey, when you are all grown up, you don't form any new brain cells, but you actually do. And it's, it's been, it was discovered about over 10 years ago. Um, and with exercise, it actually significantly increases the amount of new neurons you're forming in, as an adult. And that's particularly important for memory. And then, of course, it's actually shown that even in the cases of um, depression, when we actually have more of these new brand new cells that'll help with the circuitry in your brain so that you're more centered and you're more focused and your those depressive symptoms um, or behaviors also go down. So it's it's super interesting. And of course, we're going to have a guest on later who will talk a bit about the exercise effects on the brain more than me because I'm still a neuroscientist in training. But it's really cool to know that something as simple as a, a lifestyle factor that you can change on your own that you actually kind of have control over is something that could actually improve your mental health and um, even memory. Yeah, it's really interesting because I know a lot of people who might be struggling with their mental health have sort of a resistance to taking medications, but this is something that a lot of studies have really shown can actually help boost your mood and actually help with depression and anxiety symptoms. And it's something that there's not really any side effects unless you hurt yourself while you're working out, but hopefully everyone's being safe, good form, all that. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no, it's so true. I really like that point about the, the medication side as well. Sometimes I like to say exercise is a form of like brain training because it's one of those things where you're pushing your body beyond its normal limits. So it's like, you're telling your body to do this. You're telling your brain to do this. So it's like, you're training your brain. So that's why I also see some benefits too, but yeah, no, it's a great alternative to, to potentially having to take medication. Yeah. It's really interesting that you brought, well, I guess we both brought up the whole medication aspect and the plasticity aspect, because Mm -hmm. I was reading some studies on brain drive neurotrophic factor or BDNF, which is a neurotrophin that's important for survival and function of neurons in the brain. BDNF levels are reported to be decreased in the brain in major depressive disorder. But something that's interesting is that basically both exercise and antidepressants have been shown to increase BDNF expression in the brain, which promotes neurogenesis and neuroplasticity. And also since BDNF regulates the growth of the serotonergic projections from a brain region called the raphe nucleus, the boost in BDNF levels might help increase secretion of serotonin from raphe nucleus neurons and help renormalize the mood in individuals who have depression. 
Yeah, no, and serotonin, that's our happy drug, or our <laughs> happy neurotransmitter. It's the one that we want released in our brain so that our moods are heightened. And, and, and also what's really cool is that, um, so there's a lot of reuptake inhibitors and things like depression. So serotonin, is it ser- SSRIs? Selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. Yes, yes. Okay, I always get that acronym wrong, so I wanted to make sure I got it right. But yeah, SSRIs actually have been shown to increase the amount of neurogenesis in the brain. So it's kind of similar to to the effects of exercise, right? You're helping keep the amount of serotonin levels high. So it's interesting to see that even the neural mechanisms that are working behind the scenes with what exercise is doing also relates to some of the things that we see in treatments for things like depression or even anxiety. So it's all connected. And that's why I think it's really interesting to talk about exercise, talk about the brain in this aspect, because you can learn so much. Yeah, for sure. So Olivia, how have you found exercising as a graduate student? I actually was curious before I answer this question as uh, a personal point of view, studies have shown with exercising in graduate students, this was actually pretty hard to find. So a lot of the settings like you brought up earlier were just general university population, which involves a lot of undergrads. And in a, a, a lot of studies, the demographics of undergrads are fairly fit individuals. So when we start going into graduate school and you're combining a bunch of levels, you've got people who are sometimes parents also working part-time, doing a lot of extracurriculars, doing a lot more, the mental health side of things, as well as the time to exercise becomes a whole other ball game. This was actually kind of hard to find. I looked through a few dissertations actually out of a couple universities to see if anyone had looked at this question of what exercising looked like in graduate students. So out of Texas Tech, Um, there was a study done where they looked at counseling treatment as well as exercise in graduate students. So what they did was they allowed participants to go through counseling uh, one and a half hours per week for 10 weeks, whereas the other group went through 45 minutes twice per week of exercise. So I thought this was cool because I think you're tackling one, the mental health side of things, and two, can you maybe substitute exercise with the counseling component? And when they went through a bunch of different scales that looked at anxiety, stress, and depression, what was found was that both the counseling and exercise were really effective at reducing symptoms of stress, anxiety, and depression. But what was cool about counseling, though, is that it actually helped with the loneliness side of things, right? Because you're actually talking to someone and you're having that interaction, whereas exercise can be a very independent thing. So that was cool, but it's nice to see that both the effects on symptoms in exercise and counseling are the same, in this study at least. That is interesting. I wonder if exercising with a friend would also help with like the loneliness aspect as much as counseling might. Or... Yeah, and that's a cool point because when I was thinking about my experiences in, in graduate school, I'm still a, a student athlete and that means I have a team. So I'm on a team sport. I play flag football and <laughs> there's like 40 of us on a team. So that and working out and training together makes it very enjoyable. So I'm picturing the transition to doing it by yourself, you know, and that I can see being different because grad school is pretty isolating at times. There's another study done. There's not many. It's really hard to find this question in grad school, but you had brought up how exercise is effective during something like a pandemic, Hmm. um, especially with mental health. And another study in, in grads, again, especially because the toll of the pandemic and being able to stay physically active was really, really low, right? And the toll was high. What, what they found was students who were able to exercise saw a lot more benefits in the quality of both their output in their research or in their mental well-being. So it's, 
it's really, really cool to think about how all the factors interplay. So that, that was just the perspective on, on graduate school and exercise studies. But yeah, for you, what are you doing to stay fit during graduate school? Like, have you found you've been able to balance everything? Yeah, I actually find, uh, similar to what they found in the, the paper, that when I am exercising, I am more productive. For me, it's always been a big priority to exercise during the day because even though I'm taking an, like maybe an hour out to work out, I'll come back and I'll be productive and make the most of the rest of my day. And it's also really important for me because I work from home, so I literally do not leave my house except to get groceries. So if I don't exercise, I'm just sitting at a computer all day and then I move into my bed and I lay there. Um, (laughs) So I've just been trying to stick to a schedule and make sure I work out four times a week, typically like like running three times and then like one. um, I'm really lucky to have some dumbbells that I can use to do some weight Mm -hmm. training. What about you? Yeah, so in normal times, if I'm on campus, what's nice is that we have a pretty great gym at Western. So after I'm done in the lab, usually can be long days. I would, on my way back home before I got super hungry, I would just <laughs> go right to the gym because if I went home, sat down, I knew it was going to be like a whole mental game of being like, you got to get up, you got to go to the gym, you got to work out. So I would, um, yeah, I would just go straight after coming back from the lab because also on the way home. So it was perfect for me. And that is what really kept me motivated. And it was probably that time was like the most fit I've ever been to because I also had practice on top of that and that was always like seven in the morning so <laughs> it was like seven in the morning workout go to the lab stay there forever however long I needed to and then come back uh, and go to the gym after so that's nice at home on and off I'm doing my best but um I had a running phase in the winter and now that it's warm again <laughs> somehow it's gone and I don't want to run which makes absolutely no sense um that's very strange in the winter I'm like dying the whole time like my face is cold my eyes are like watering like crazy my nose is running this is terrible (laughs) I know I I don't know what it was like this past winter it was the fact that I was out there and I was the one uh, of you running and I felt so (laughs) accomplished and now that it's warm like I can run anytime you know versus having to like muster up that courage to go out in the cold but yeah so that's how I've been trying to do it. And I think what's key is the schedule component and making sure it's like, it's like a course that you have to take it. You got to go get that workout in. And it also is a great way to recharge. Yeah. Speaking of the schedule component, one thing that I've kind of been enjoying lately is following like a fitness program from a YouTuber or something. So I've been doing Chloe Ting's workout program. So she lays out like this is what you would do every single day for four weeks. And so I just find like that really helps me with getting my workout in because I'm like, I know I need to do Chloe Ting's workout today. And so once I've done it, I can check that off. <laughs> and so you're like, like, you're not sponsored by Chloe Ting. And I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we're not, we're not affiliated with her, but I like, I like the fact that someone else is telling me exactly what to do. And so I just don't have to think about it. I just do it and then I'm done. That should be a study, the effects of instructional workouts on like performance and outcome and how, how people feel after it. I feel like it, it has to help, or at least if you're not someone who's a super hardcore athlete, because for me, I've always loved to run and I do like to lift weights, but I'm not necessarily the most knowledgeable. Mm-hmm. So I think definitely following workout videos has helped me with my form and things because I've noticed that like sometimes when I was doing an exercise, I was like, oh, I've been doing this for years, but I, I wasn't doing it properly. <laughs> um, I'm a big fan of apps for sure, especially if you're trying to like manage your own workout routine at home. So some good ones that I've come across is the Nike app, the Nike training app. That one's good. Yeah. 
although it's still kind of independent if you don't have the the instructor's voice on so it doesn't feel necessarily like you're being told and pushed what to do and my roommate actually has the mirror app so you actually have to buy the mirror to get it but um the mirror app's really cool because so I don't know. I don't know if you know what the mirror app is, no. but there's actually a mirror out there that um, will put up uh, the instructor into the mirror. So you see yourself, you see the instructor and you work out. And I think there was a Lululemon commercial and I was so confused if this was a real thing, but it actually is. It was a mirror with an instructor on it. So, it's, so cool. it's all connected to an app. So to be able to throw it up on the mirror, you have to have it on the app, blah, blah, blah. So you could also just work off directly on the app too. And they have some really good workouts there because someone actually talking to you, engaging with you, being like, okay, going into this next workout now, you got to get it done, put that max input in. So big fan of those. I'm trying to think of some other free ones, but I mean, you're the runner. So I'm assuming you use Strava all the time to keep track of where you're going. I swear I'm like the one runner who doesn't use Strava. I use MyFitnessPal and MapMyRun together because I like to also keep track of what I eat because I find that I love carbs. And so if I don't keep track, I will just eat bread like breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So I need to be like, okay, there is some protein in there. We ate something that wasn't just bread. Um, yeah. So I like, yeah, I like tracking my runs with MapMyRun. Oh, <laughs> I know we're going to talk about nutrition in another episode, but if you're thinking about nutrition in, in terms of exercise, I was speaking to one of my good friends who's a dietitian, and she's like, remember these sayings, before you go, you got to get the CHO. So before you go and do your workout, you got to get your carbs, your water in, which is the HO of CHO. And then of course, after you come out from your workout, you have to get that protein in. So mm -hmm. along with carbs, never be afraid of carbs great to get that full exercise output that you want and you can actually train more and burn more that way but um yeah it's some really good things to always remember get that carb beforehand get that protein after so there we go i have an excuse to eat my carbs <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Um, but it, it definitely is true. Like I find when I eat properly and like eat really like nutritious foods um, and real meals, I do work out a lot better and I focus a lot better. So I think that's also really important for mental health and we should do an episode on nutrition. Yeah, hundred percent. And I'm just thinking of like my mental health too, and I'm hoping others resonate with this, but being able to at least exercise, even if it's low impact, gives you a chance to kind of recenter and think of that mindfulness, which is also actually very important for, for checking in on your mental health as well, um, as really cool and effective ways to, to just make sure you're taking care of yourself in graduate school. <laughs> okay, so now I'm just thinking about all of the effects of exercise on the brain if we were to look at it more closely. So I talked about neurogenesis, but what about the actual memory? You mentioned focus, um, everyday just mood. What are the effects? And Haley, I don't know if you have the answers for me, but I want to know. Well, Olivia, that is an excellent question. And I do not have all the answers, but in our next segment of Brain Matter Chatter, we're going to be discussing with two experts, Joyla Ferlano and Dr. Lindsay Nagamatsu, who study the effects of exercise on both cognitive functioning and plasticity in older adults. So make sure you tune in on our next episode of Brain Matter Chatter to delve deeper on the effects of exercise on the brain. But before we head out for today, we're going to end off with our Endorphin segment. Endorphin. 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 And on fun. So now that we've talked a little bit about working out, Olivia, have you ever had any embarrassing workout moments that you'd like to share with our listeners? Goodness. Um, okay, so... There's like the classic ones. I've, I've definitely dropped one of those Olympic bars on myself in front of a cute boy. You know, that's embarrassing. But 
the other day, I was like, I'm going to try to do something more adventurous and go mountain biking along the Thames River. There's a path back there and I'm not that good of a biker. So this was definitely a challenge. And my friend who was with me, she's actually pretty good at it and was able to like jump over branches and logs, whereas I was not. So good embarrassing moment was I thought I made it, but my foot got clipped and I wiped out. Uh, it was a good form of fitness, but I was like passed down on the ground. She looked back. She's like, oh my God, what happened? And I'm like, yeah, that was my bad. Um, oh, underestimated no. underestimated the little slot I had to get through. My foot got clipped and hooked onto a log. So, you know, little bumps and bruises don't hurt anyone, but a good fall is always entertaining. And I have a funny story to <laughs> tell people later. Oh, I also have an embarrassing story when I was running. It wasn't quite um, what you experienced with your mountain biking, but I was um, on a run in the winter and it was icy. And I was like, I probably shouldn't be running today because it's very icy. Um, But then I kept running. And then I did one of those really long falls where you're like slow motion, like falling, falling, and then you get back up and then you're falling, falling, get back up. And then I just toppled into a snowbank and there was so many people around me because I was in like a park (laughs) and I just got up. The worst part of those things is when people ask, are you okay? (laughs) And then you're just like, oh, don't start crying. That bruise doesn't hurt that bad. But you called me out on it. Yeah. I know. I know. It's just like, can we just pretend you didn't see me fall? It's fine. <laughs> yeah. No, exactly. Um, I have a question for you. Uh-oh. So you were talking about being a little cross-country athlete back in the day and still a good runner now. But if you were exercising and training for another sport of your choice, what would it be? Definitely swimming. When I was a kid, I loved to swim and I did all of like the lifeguarding levels up until they told me I had to stop because I was too little and couldn't like pull grown men out of the pool. So they're like, you need to pause until you've grown up a bit. So I would definitely love to have been like a competitive swimmer. That's something my brother did and I was very jealous, but. In fact, since we're a science-based group over here, um, did you know that Michael Phelps actually has, so he's a famous U.S. Olympic swimmer and he actually has a genetic mutation where it actually allows him to produce less lactic acid than the average human. So lactic acid, when you feel that in your body after working out, it's what causes kind of that pain, that cramp. And if you're able to clear it out quickly or not produce as much, it'll make exercising and training your body that extra level a lot easier. So that's why he, part part why he was such a great athlete is because he had this genetic mutation that gave him kind of this superhuman like quality on really quick recovery after exercise wow well if only i had that too and <laughs> maybe i could be michael phelps as well so that's all the time that we have for today but thank you olivia for joining me on this episode and thank you all for listening make sure you tune in for part two of our exercise series where we'll be talking with dr Lindsay nagamatsu and joyla Furlano on the benefits of exercise on the brain Yeah, super excited for part two. And um, thanks for having me as a co-host today. Bye, everyone. See you next time. And with that, we conclude another episode of Brain Matter Chatter. Maya Angelou once said, there's no greater agony than bearing an untold story inside you. Let's keep speaking our minds and sharing our stories. To our listeners, please visit at Brain Matter Chat on Instagram or Twitter to find a list of available mental health and wellness resources. The content today was brought to you by Julia, Naveen, Haley, Olivia, and Ruby. 
This episode is a Society of Neuroscience Graduate Students production and is generously supported by the Society of Graduate Students, the School of Graduate and Postdoctoral Studies, Student Experience, and BrainScan at Western University. All music was provided by freebeats.io and produced by White Hot. Additionally, we thank our featured guest for speaking with us today.